Good morning, and welcome to the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God. I am Pastor Richard T. Wade, and I would like to say thank you for joining us today. I pray the Word of God can speak to you, and the Holy Spirit make it real to you. Now, a pre-recorded message from Cornerstone Assemblies of God. Last week, I started in a message entitled, Questions. I asked you four questions last week. Really, I asked you five. I set out to ask you four, but a fifth one came about. Those questions were, do you know the Father is always working? Have you made the choice to join the Father in what he's doing? Have you decided to be dependent upon the Father? And do you know the present emphasis of the Father? Or to say it another way, do you know what the Father is speaking to you right now? Those are the four main questions. But as the message went on, this fifth question came about, and I did ask it, and I will share it with you again. Do you prefer the comfort of this world or the spirit of glory? Because the truth of the matter is you can't have both. You will either partake in the comforts of this world or you will have the spirit of glory, but you will not have both. And so, well, so you said that awfully emphatically. I sure did. And I won't back down from it either uh, because that's just the truth of the word of God. And so today, I, in, in thinking on those questions over this week, as I asked many of you last week to do, there is a question that still I want to ask again is the voice of the Father saying in this moment to you? What is he asking of you? Here's the question to those questions. Are you committed to it? Do you know what he's saying? Because I promise you this, if you hear him speaking, he's asking something of you. He may be asking you to clear some things out of your life. He may be asking you to spend more time in prayer. He may be asking you to spend more time in your word. He may have given you more precise things. He may be asking you to change jobs. He may be asking you to volunteer in ministry. He may be asking you to take a leap of faith. Those questions can be different from each person. But I'm asking you, do you know what he's asking of you? Now, are you committed to it? It's one thing to know what's being asked of you. It's a total different thing to actually commit to do what's being asked of you. My kids, most of the time, know the expectations that I have for them. However, they're not always committed to do what's expected of them. Catherine, I guess she went to the children's church to help. Uh, I, she asked me to not talk about her when she's not present. But she made me proud, so I'm going to talk about her for a second. Catherine is in her sixth or seventh year of dance. We have spent thousands of dollars on dance over the last six or seven years, and she's good. She's not just mediocre and does it because she doesn't have anything else to do. She's taken tap, and ballet, and jazz, lyrical for six or seven years. And a couple of months ago, she asked me to quit. She says, I want to quit dance, Daddy. I said, why? She says, well, because 
dance is on Tuesday, and that's when we have worship practice. And I want to be on the worship team, so I want to quit dance. I said, no, we'll just move worship practice. And they did. Then she came to me the other day. She asked again. She says, can I please quit dance? I said, why? Worship. I said, Catherine, we moved stuff. I know, but I still miss about 15 minutes of it. And it's not fair to other people to have to wait on me. It's not fair for other people to have already been there and started and then for me to just waltz in 15 minutes late. I said, why do you want to quit? I'm thinking there's got to be a real reason behind it. She looked at me and she says, because Jesus. I still didn't give her a yes. But then after I spent time in prayer, after I wrote this sermon, the Lord said, how dare you ask your people if they're committed and your own daughter is committed, but you won't let her be. So this morning when she woke up, I said, baby, I've decided you can quit dance, but you have to go tell Miss Tammy why. Don't show up Tuesday and announce her. You need to go Monday and tell her you won't be at dance on Tuesday and why. She says, I can do that, Dad. I said, okay, if you can do it, then you can quit. I shared that story with you to ask, are you committed? Are you willing to spend thousands of dollars, or at least thousands of your daddy's dollars, and hours and hours a week, year after year, to hone in your skills and the Lord say stop it and are you willing to throw it out because he said so do you know what he's asking of you this morning and are you committed to it my morning's title is messaged a double standard because oftentimes we have a double standard oftentimes we know what the father would have us to say And we'll talk about it in a public setting. But when it comes down to pulling the trigger on the hard choices, we somehow find some sort of spiritual sounding loophole to allow us to continue in our disobedience. We've really got to deal with the double standard. We can't expect something out of someone that we're not doing ourselves. I can't ask you to pray if I'm not willing to pray. I can't ask you to study the Word if I'm not willing to study the Word. I can't ask you to be faithful to the things of God if I'm not faithful to the things of God. I can't ask you to sacrifice all the while I'm not willing to allow my daughter to sacrifice. See, we have core values at this church, and they are birthed from the place of the Word. Number one is that we're going to be doers of the Word. Number two is worship must be central to everything that we do. Number three is our family matters. Number four is every soul matters. And number five is we will equip for ministry. And so if I'm going to be a doer of the word, I've got to actually do something. And if worship is going to be central to everything I do, I better be worshiping in all that I do. And if my family matters, then I've got to be the priest of my home. And if every soul matters, then I need to understand that God will use other people and not just me. And if I'm going to equip you for ministry, then i got to be willing to equip my children for ministry. So when my daughter says, I'm called to lead in worship, 
I've been asked to be on the worship team, but my dance is getting in the way. In order for me to be equipped to help win a soul, Daddy, I need you to allow me to worship and to quit dance so that I can do what I've been called to do. Am I committed? Is this thing that God has asked you to do, maybe you've decided you are committed to it. Well done. Let me ask another question. Is it the first priority or does it just happen to make it somewhere on the list? Because oftentimes we'll hear the voice of God and we'll know, oh, God's telling me to do something and we make a list and we're proud that it made the list, but it's somewhere around number six or seven. When we don't have anything else to do, we will be committed. I shared with you a warning the Lord gave me in a time of prayer just a week and a half ago. And it was to beware of distractions. And while jotting down my notes for this morning's message, I felt that again in my spirit, but for you as a corporate body, beware of distractions in the coming days. I believe we should beware of distractions in the year of 2024. I believe through the elections, I believe through a lot of the social rhetoric that we're going to hear, there will be many vices of division and sources of distraction that will cause us to look everywhere but to God. This morning, heed that warning. I know you're waiting for me to get wounced up and start preaching like I always preach. It might come today, it might not, but this morning I've got to address a double standard that we have within the church. I've got to recap on these thoughts from last week. I was going to Sunday night, and then we didn't get to have church due to weather. Then we didn't get to come together on Wednesday due to weather. We didn't get to have Monday morning prayer due to weather. And so it's like I, I can't allow a whole week to go by without recapping on some of these things because it's important that we get step number one right or everything else will be out of order. And so I'm not going to re-preach from last week, but I've got to remind you that I have a job as your pastor, as the overseer of this church. My job is to help you focus on your calling. My job is to help you fight for your calling. And my job is to help form an internal and eternal value within your heart and mind. I'm not your Holy Spirit but I have a job to say what God's called me to say. I have a responsibility to the Almighty to be mindful with my words. I used to try to be mindful with your time, but we waste our time on so much stuff. Why can't we just spend a little time in the presence of God? I spent four hours yesterday in bleachers and watched Cooper lose two basketball games. All right, we can spend a couple hours at church. How many of y'all watched the Cowboys game this week? <laughs> well, yeah, last week. Excuse me. There wasn't any more. You sit there and cringe through the whole thing, didn't you? You might even prayed through it, didn't you? If I'm to help you focus on your calling, you've got to focus on your calling. If I'm to help you fight for your calling, you've got to fight for your calling. If I'm to help form internal and eternal values, then you've got to be willing to get in the Word of God and spend time in His presence to know what values you need to be forming. 
I can't do it for you. I'm to come alongside and help you. We've got this idea that we can treat God like a vending machine. Oftentimes, we treat him even as a slot machine. We think we can punch a few quarters in and pull the lever a few times, and then our, his blessings are going to ding, ding, ding out the bottom. Or we think we can put a dollar or two in and punch the right buttons, and my flavor of chips is going to fall out the bottom. We've lost the idea that we are slaves to righteousness. We oftentimes like to talk about our Savior, Jesus, but we forget that he's also Lord and King. That he is, that's his very name, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He was and is and shall ever be. In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? Well, the Word became flesh. His name's Jesus. Here's where I'm going with this. I was scanning through my Bible, reading chapter 1 of every book. I got over into the New Testament got over toward the end in the epistles and I began to see a pattern Allie this morning looking over my shoulder she says you got enough scripture references for today I said yeah and she says and why are they all one one I said it was on purpose and I scolded her a little bit excuse me for asking I was like well get out of here I'm trying to hear God James 1 1 James says James a servant of God the Lord Jesus Christ 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.1, it's the only one there is. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Revelation 1.1, I liked this one. It says a little different but means the same thing. I, John, both your brother and a companion in tribulation. Mm. Somebody who's your companion in tribulation. Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.1, again, it's Paul, but Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So this morning, do you realize that he is your Lord and King and you are his servant? There's no big I and little you. There's no I carry the big stick and walk you upside the head. We are servants of the Most High God. When we can have our mind properly set that we are servants of the Most High, then it helps us begin to form that proper internal and eternal value that lets me see myself in a proper perspective to see myself as God sees me and when I can see myself as God sees me then it'll help me in doing what he's called me to do I titled this morning's message a double standard for a reason in James chapter 1 verses 6 and 8 it says ask in faith without wavering for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's not me. That's the Word of God. 
And so this idea that I get to just ask for something, and if I say it enough times, and my faith is in my confession, that I've confessed this enough over myself that I'm going to walk in it, your faith is wrong. Your faith can't be in your confession. You need to watch what you confess, but your faith must remain in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because if your faith is in anything other than Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he did on the cross of Calvary, if your faith is in anything else, you're double-minded. And the Word of God says you will not receive anything from the Lord. Oftentimes, there's people who go to church faithfully. They pray all the time. They know, as I say they know it, they quote the Word, quote a lot of Scripture, say a lot of good stuff. But their faith is in going to church. Their faith is in how long they pray every day. Their faith is in how many scriptures they quote a day. And they wonder why they can't receive what they've been looking for. It's because your faith isn't in Jesus. Your faith is in you. And that you can do enough good stuff. That you can do enough religious stuff. That somehow you're going to finally earn favor with God. I'm not telling you don't go to church because the Word says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The Word says that if you love Jesus, you'll do His Word. Well, you can't do His Word if you don't know His Word. James, I'll read it here in just a little bit. He says if you hear the Word but you don't do it, then you've deceived yourself. So are the preachers not up here saying you don't need to pray? I'm not up here saying you don't need to read your Bible. I'm not up here saying you don't need to go to church. But I'm telling you, fast until they pull you through a keyhole, have the entire Bible memorized, come to church every time the doors open, and if you're not dependent upon him and who he is, then he can't do anything for you because your faith is wrong. It's a double standard and a double mind. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Paul, writing this letter to Timothy, I know I've said this recently, but I'm going to say it probably every time that I quote a scripture from this book. 2 Timothy is most likely the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Philippians could be. There is argument, but like 80% of the people say it's 2 Timothy. I believe it's 2 Timothy. And if it's 2 Timothy, this means this is something he is writing on his deathbed. What you write on your deathbed is really important. You need to make sure if people's hearing it. Well, in 2 Timothy 2 and 2, he's, he's been writing to Timothy, and he's, he's encouraging Timothy and even a little bit of scolding Timothy. And he tells him this in verse 2 of chapter 2. He says, Share the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. But here's what I want you to see. This is who he tells them to share it with. Share it with faithful men who will be able to teach others. So who is it that we need to invest in? Well, that don't sound very good, does it? It's the faithful. When you stand before him, what's he going to say? Well done what? Good and faithful servant. Oh, let's get them all three out good. Well done, good and faithful servant. Are we servants? Do we have a servant's heart? Are we in the servant position in all that we do? I'll back up to the beginning. Are we good? I mean, in 2024, I don't even have to go to the faithful yet. Are we even good? 
Or have we been lumped into the group that calls good evil and evil good? Have we just gathered to those who will tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear? Who will make me feel good in my sin? I determined a long time ago, I'd rather you be mad at me and make heaven than to love me and go to hell. And that's just where I'm going to be. If somebody says, you ought to pray on it, I ain't praying on it no more. I done heard the word of the Lord, and I made up my mind. The whole world cannot like me, but hear the truth. And I'm going to stand before God with clean hands and a crown on my head rather than to stand before him with your blood on my hand knowing you done went to hell because I made you feel good. Because the word don't hurt as bad when you're actually doing it. You know, when somebody tells me, you ought to pray, I know it. (laughs) I know, I didn't pray as much as I should have yesterday. That's what it does to me. It doesn't condemn me. The Spirit of the Lord done told me. You didn't pray but an hour today. Yes, that's where I started. If you're not praying an hour a day, start with 15 minutes a day. Say, well, can we just start with one or two? Why? Do something. How long do you scroll on Facebook a day? At least you can pray for 15 minutes. If you ain't praying 15 minutes, you ain't praying. I said it. That's not a prayer. That's not communication. That's a quick text to say what's up. Pray. Oh, well. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, pray 15 minutes in the understanding and 15 minutes in the Spirit. And if you ain't full of the Holy Ghost, you don't know what I'm talking about, hold on. (laughs) We'll get it taken care of. Hallelujah. Because it's for you. It ain't passed away. It's not something God used to do. Last time I read Hebrews, my God said he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was needed to build the church in the first 100 years, I promise you more than ever it is needed in 2024 to build his church today. Find me scripture that says it quit. There ain't none. Don't waste your time. Share with them the things you have heard from me. Are you hearing anything from the Father? How are you going to share if you're not hearing? Say, well, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Yeah, but where do you think Paul was hearing what he was saying? He was hearing from the Father. And Timothy was hearing what Paul was telling the folks that he had heard from the Father. Hear from the Father. Say, well, ain't that your job? Don't you believe, Don't you realize that we're all a priesthood of believers? You can pray just like I can pray. You can hear God just like I can hear God. I'm not somebody special. Actually, I got the raw end of the stick. I'm just held responsible for y'all when you don't do what you're supposed to do. I'm the one that's got to stand up here and give you the why for and become unpopular. There are benefits, Fred. There's benefits of being the pastor. You get your own pan of jalapeno cheddar biscuits. Amanda made jalapeno cheddar biscuits for the men's breakfast yesterday. And she had two big... She had two big pans for the men, and there was two little pans. One said Jim and Tammy on it, because Jim wasn't there, and so he's spoiled. And then there was one that said Pastor Wade and Allie. And as I was putting mine up, Fred said, it must be nice to be the king. I'm not the king. I'm just the dude that gets to wear all the mud. But Paul's writing to Timothy, telling him to share to the faithful. This is... I wish I could make you all happy and run around the room, but I'm teaching you something this morning. And then in James chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, I'm just going to read to you for a second. James 2, 18 through 24. But a man may say that you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Verse 19. You believe that there's one God, 
you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. But do you want to be shown, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you see how faith worked with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. The scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. People get a little bit out of shape over that. You can't work your way to salvation. But true saving faith will produce a work. True saving faith will produce fruit of the Spirit. Take your Bible and turn over to Galatians 5. I'm just going to read to you for a second. The Word says it plain. I don't have to preach it. Galatians 5 and verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean I don't get to do everything I want to do? You mean to tell me that every little desire that runs through my heart and every little thought that bounces around between my ears isn't something that I ought to act upon? That's the problem with all these folks that's out here prophylying. Because they're telling you everything you want's coming to pass. I see victory around the corner. Breakthroughs here. Sow a seed of $500. And I believe God's going to set something loose in your life. Yeah, he's going to set loose the, the, the bill collector because you ain't paid your car payment. Say, so you seem to be meddling this morning, preacher. I'm not meddling this morning, but we got a double standard. We want to do what we want to do, and we ask God to bless this mess. And then wonder why the blessings of God is not on our life. You can't be out of the will of God and walk in the blessings of God. The spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. That's what the Word of God just said to you. I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. So which do you want? The walk in the spirit of the glory of God? Or do you want the comforts of this world? Do you want to feel the lust? And I love the way the word says that it don't break no bones about it. It's the lust of your flesh. Which one do you want? The lust of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? Because both are not produced from the same vine. Look at what your vine's producing. And it'll show you where the tap is connected. If it's producing things of the flesh, it's not drawing from Christ, its source. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how many scriptures you can quote. What's your vine producing? These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are revealed. Which are these? I'm really glad that the Lord knew I was a dummy. And I needed him to tell me plain. Because then he gave us a list. 
I think it's so funny that we got whole denominations and groups of people that's supposed to be born-again folks out here trying to argue about what's okay and not okay, and the Word of God says things like this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and here's what they are. Adultery, sexual immorality. I'm reading from the modern English version. Impurity, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Hatred, strife, jealousy, rage, selfishness, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I've previously warned you, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But I went down the altar when I was nine years old, and I asked Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. But I went to vacation Bible school with my grandmama. But I was a part of the Royal Rangers and the Missionettes. But I went to church with my mama on Mother's Day. But I went to Easter at the sunrise service. And adultery, sexual immorality, impurity, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, rage, selfishness, dissension, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I previous, Paul says, I done told you before, but I'm going to tell you again that the mind of God still has not changed. If these are the things that are evident in your life, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, glory to God for buts, hallelujah. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. If we're truly walking in the fruits of the Spirit, there ain't, it don't matter what accusations the devil throws at you, they just can't stick. They just can't stick. He'd throw all kinds of fiery darts at you. He'd, he'd just do everything he can, but it, and it might hurt a little bit, but it just can't stick. If it's sticking, check up, check up. Something's awry. It ain't how it ought to be. My Bible says that if I'm walking in it, that there is no law. And those who are Christ, and those who are Christ, I mean, if you belong to Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and lust. So here is the thing. I, don't, I didn't have this in my note. I had the scripture in my note, but I didn't have this preaching in my notes. This idea of, well, I was born this way. You just don't understand, though, I love them. It's deep within me. This isn't just some superficial something. It's down deep inside me. Okay, maybe it is. I don't believe you're born that way, but for the sake of argument. Okay, you were. Okay. Are you saved? Yeah. Okay. Then it says, crucify your flesh with its passions and desires. So I don't care what you feel like. Is it in line with the Word of God? Well, no. 
crucified. If you're not sure what crucified means, that means kill it. Just as Jesus was hung to the cross of Calvary, crucified for my sin and your sin. He is calling us to do the same with our own fleshly desires and passions. And to remind us in the same, same thought that sexual immorality, impurity, and lewdness, adultery, won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me say something else here too, mean-spirited Christians. Hatred, strife, jealousy, rage, selfishness, dissension, envy, it don't inherit the kingdom of God either. Check up. Check up. I'm not here just beating on one body. I'm going to punch everybody. Hallelujah. Thing is, my toes done been stepped on. That's how I can stand up here and preach it. I'm not immune to this. I'm not holier than thou. But it's the word of God. Those who belong to Christ crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, and let us not be conceited, provoking one another to envying one another. Chapter 6. I heard Brother Damon say this yesterday, and it's true in this situation too. We separated the Bible into chapters and verses. It wasn't written in chapters and verses. And so chapter 6 is not a whole different letter. It's the very next paragraph. Really, it's actually the same paragraph. And so let us not be conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Brothers, if a man is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, watching yourselves lest you also be tempted. So the idea here is, is I read you a big list of things that's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm not up here limiting or listing this off to be mean-spirited or judgmental. But I'm telling you these are the things that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it is our responsibility to come alongside you in a spirit of meekness and help you through it. But I said something there that most people don't catch. Help you through it. I'm not going to pitch a tent and hang out in the middle of despair with you. But I'll come alongside you and walk you through it. But if you're going to keep digging the hole and you're going to keep wallowing in the mud and you keep jumping off the cliff, then, baby, you're going to have to die on your own because I'm not dying with you because that's what it warns against right here. Be careful and don't be high-minded about it because you'll end up falling into the same temptation. Going on in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. For if someone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own works, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in others. For each one shall bear his own burden. Let him who is taught in the word share all good things with him who teaches. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, 
especially to those who are in the household of faith. I don't have to preach a whole lot here. Scripture makes it plain. But we got a double standard. We want to have church vision statements like ours. Preach Jesus, love people, train disciples. Then the second somebody falls, we kick them instead of help them back up. Love people, and then we mean as a barrel of snakes on Sunday after church at the restaurant. Huh? Love people, except you. Love people if they vote like I vote. Love people. Huh? I'm meddling, but I'm right. I was asked this last week. How are you going to handle this upcoming election? I'm not going to handle it with the double standard. I'm going to encourage you to vote. I'm going to encourage you to read the word and to pray before you go and vote. But the last <laughs> the last list I looked at, I think all of them's going to hell, so it don't really matter. What, preacher, you said it? I sure did. Vote me out if you want to. I am in opposition of the things that are in opposition to the word of God. But whether they're Republican or Democrat, they're not your Savior. You need to vote. If the church would be the church and would do something about it, a lot of our problems wouldn't be problems. The thing is, we want the White House and the State House to govern our land according to the Word of God, but the church isn't willing to preach the Word of God. Huh? We want to sugarcoat the gospel and water it down so that we can have mega churches of 5,000 people and then somehow wonder why our country's in the shape it's in. It ain't them one or two women and men you voting on. It's because right here locally, this has a double standard. I said it. There's a double standard. I want Christian values. Oh, but I would also like that tax revenue. I want Christian values, but I'd also like to have a big paycheck. Well, which one is it? You want the comfort of the world or you want the spirit of glory? You can't have them both. Listen, I'm not here to meddle, and I am according to the word of God. But church, I want you to stop and think. I think that's the problem is we've just rushed through church real quick. I got to say this 20-minute sermonette and hype you up and make you feel good and then run on, and we wonder why. The world's going to hell. Well, the church is too. What if we just stop for a minute and really think about it? I will not judge a soul based on their political affiliation. When we think we're saved because we're a Republican, our faith is in a political party and not Jesus. If you think that my God is limited because there's a Democrat in the White House, you don't serve the God I serve. One more thing. If you would read your Bible, when Jesus showed up, the Jews wanted him to overthrow the Roman Empire and set them in charge. And he didn't come to do that. He came to save their soul, and they rejected him for it. But I need you to think... I need you to think, Jesus is the, I want you to rally for Jesus, make America great again, just like you a rally for Trump, make America again. I want you to fly the Christian flag just as proudly as you fly Trump 2024. 
I want to see the t-shirt that says Jesus is the answer, just like I see Trump 2024. I want to see the ball caps that says Jesus is the answer, just like I see Trump 2024. What if, what if, what if the church got in the altar and every Democrat and Republican got saved and full of the Holy Ghost, then it don't matter what political party they belong to. But the thing is, every soul don't matter to us. We got a double standard. Only the souls that look like mine matter. We got a double standard. Which one is it? I'm all for preaching truth. I'm known as the hard preacher in town. But I don't preach truth with the intent to stir up strife. I preach the truth because I want you to go to heaven. Huh? I'm not telling you how to vote. I asked you earlier, do you know that the Father is always working? Have you made a choice to join with him in what he's doing? Have you decided to be dependent upon the Father? And do you know what he is presently saying to you? Find in your scripture where it addresses political matters other than where it says pray for those who are in authority over you. You can find, find me a scripture where Paul took time to tell somebody what their political opinion should be. You find me a scripture where Jesus tells somebody what their political opinion should be. When you find it, you are welcome to bring it to me. But what the word does say is that you better love God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and you better love your neighbor as yourself, and that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. There are so many different conspiracy theories going on around people that's supposed to be born-again believers, just bound up, mad at the whole world, talking about mess that don't make no kind of sense. And you don't have to worry. I'm not out here that's been brainwashed by the media. I hadn't watched TV since 2014. I don't know what the television's saying. It don't matter well, what news outlet are you. They all lying. Every one of them. How about you get on your face before God and you ask him what he would have you do? I ain't worried about what nobody else is doing. I don't care what's popular. God, what do you want Richard T. Wade to do? And when you hear it, do it. But what if people look at me like they're looking at you right now? <laughs> do it anyhow. Because I know a lot of people personally, just being open and honest with you, who vote on both sides of the aisle. And while I don't fully understand how and why some vote particular ways, without a shadow of a doubt, I know they love God. They read their word. They pray. They even do the word. And I'm not willing to say they're right or wrong. What I am saying is if you on an individual basis don't have these fruits and have these works, the word's clear, and your political affiliation isn't in either list. So how are you going to lead your church through this election, Pastor? I will not allow division in the house of God. I will encourage you to pray and to hear God and do what he tells you to do. That's not me shying away. 
That's not me straddling a fence. That's me telling you to do what the Word says do. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Do we forget? Say, you've got to wrap this up. I know, but I can't. Do you realize that Paul, not by the church, but by the politicians of the day, was arrested, imprisoned, and chained in a cell, ankle deep in human fecal matter, when he still wrote several of the books in your New Testament. And he still didn't tell nobody how to vote. But what he did say was don't give up. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing. But with all manners of prayer, you bring them before the Lord with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus if you would just think on the things that are good. And he wrote that. Chained in a cell, sitting or standing at about ankle deep poop. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing in the very cell knowing that his life is coming to an end he starts second timothy chapter 2 so you my son be strong in grace that is in christ jesus share the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witness with the faithful men who will be able to teach other endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ no soldier on active duty entangles himself with civilian affairs that he may please the enlisting officer anyone who competes as an athlete is not rewarded without competing legally the farmer who labors should be first to partake of the crop. Consider what I'm saying, and may the Lord grant you understanding in all things. Remember, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David, according to my gospel, in which I suffered trouble like a criminal, even with chains. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Church, check up. There's a double standard. There's a double standard, but there's also an answer. You can find it in 1 John 1, 9. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What if, instead of wanting to run them out on a rail, hang them in the streets, rally them up, and ship them home, what if we asked through the power of God's Spirit that He would save their souls, that even bound in the midst of their horrible way of life, even bound in lifestyles so displeasing to God, even with their ideologies that are in opposition to the Word of God, what if the Spirit of God actually convicted them and they were born again? What if? Have we even thought that that could be an option? Or have we been so focused on the natural that we didn't even realize there's a soul destined for hell? And my answer is to vote them out, to bash them on Facebook, 
to come up with names to call them, to disrespect their offices because I don't like them. What if we did the word? And it said, pray for those in authority over you that we may be able to do the word of God without resistance and in peace. I love you, but here's really who I am. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, and I'm filled with this Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, I've been so set free. This world's going to burn anyhow. <laughs> Whether he burns it down or they burn it down, I'm still free. Because whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so this morning, I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry the church has had a double standard. And I'm sorry that I've allowed a double standard to run for long, too long in the church. But I've been to the mountaintop. And I've had an experience I've never had before. And I tell you, I'm just more concerned with what Jesus wants than what anybody wants. Even what I want. If it means I go bankrupt and I got to live in a box and trust God to feed my family for 40 years. Manna fell faithfully in the wilderness and water flew from the rock and the raven showed and the quail showed. Even in the brook, in the place of the dry place, the raven brought sustenance to keep the man of God alive. I'm telling you, church, it don't matter who's in the White House. It don't matter if we're a red state or a blue state. It matters if we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. It matters if we do the Word of God. And if we just talk about doing the Word of God and we never do anything, we're deceived with the people we think's going to hell. We're going to join them. That's where the church is headed, to hell. I probably should actually change that. The church isn't headed to hell. Lots of organized religion is headed to hell. But the true remnant, remnant, small piece, just a little bit, has a promise. I love you and I'm not mad. I'm really not. Quite frankly, I'm sick. I'm sick of a double standard. Love your neighbor as yourself. The color of my neighbor, the language of my neighbor, the political affiliation of my neighbor, We'll say it. The sin of my neighbor, none of that's on the list. It just says love my neighbor. Because even if they're steeped in the midst of sin, if I would be a shining light to them, if I'd point them to the one who can set them free, if I really actually thought that every soul mattered. But I would ask you to ask yourself these questions. Am I hearing God in this moment? And am I committed to what I'm hearing him ask me to do? Because see, in this moment, there may be some of you who don't know him as Lord and Savior, and what the Father is asking you to do right now is to repent. You might be sitting here thinking, hey, I like this Jesus that this dude's talking about because he's saying stuff I had never heard before. Well, this is, this is the Jesus of the Bible. This isn't a northeast Texas Jesus or a southwest Arkansas Jesus. This is Jesus. Do you know the church in America is declining while the church in China is thriving? Think about that. The church in Iran is growing at rate so fast we can't keep record. Think about that. I can't get people in Cass County to come to church, but we got people in Pakistan watching us every time we go live. Think about that. We've got a double standard. We better check up. Thank you so much again for taking time to listen to a message from the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God. We do this through the help of our listeners and friends in the community. If you would like to donate to our broadcast, 
you can go to cornerstoneatlanta.tv and give as the Lord would lead you. But again, I, Pastor Richard Wade of Cornerstone Assemblies of God, just say thank you for taking time, and I pray the Lord make this real to you today. And he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard. 
Trust in God.